it's the only way is just bite by bite and day by day and minute by minute. And that's all we can do. We all have different ways of dealing with the messes of life, but no one does it quite as beautifully and as fun as the powerhouse duo behind the home edit. Joanna and Clea preach that every single space in your house can function efficiently and look great, even when there are kids involved. They have designed for stars like Gwyneth Paltrow, Reese Witherspoon, and Khloe Kardashian, and are just about to launch season two of their hit Netflix show, Get Organized. If anyone knows what a busy schedule looks like, it's these two women. They are wives, mothers, best friends, business owners, TV stars, and authors with teams that teach their organizing systems and beautify homes in nine cities across the country. And today we have them all to ourselves as we chat about the push and pull of motherhood, how they handle their kids' messes, and why it's important to have a friend who's not afraid to tell you exactly how it is. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? Well, we are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. Before we get to all the good stuff with the home edit, I want to share something that's been on my mind ever since we recorded this interview. One of the things that we chatted about was organizing family photos, and I couldn't stop thinking about what happened last year when a wildfire came incredibly close to my home. Obviously, I was panicked, but the number one thing that I was worried about was my family's photos and memories that were scattered all throughout the house. We ended up filling our big expedition to the brim with boxes and bins of stuff that I couldn't imagine losing. And thankfully, our house didn't suffer any damage. But that event marked the beginning of what I call my great photo digitization and organization project. When we returned home from the evacuation, I emptied all of the bins into my dining room where I started scanning and photographing everything. I'm not going to lie. It was a massive job, and I am still not completely done. But can I just tell you how good it feels to be closer to having it all organized and safe. So if you're like me with photos stuck in boxes and on hard drives and on old computers that you're afraid of losing, here's my hot tip for you. Start by gathering it all up. Get all of your photos off of your digital devices and saved into one place. Google Photos and Dropbox is what I use. Then scan all of your physical photos, either yourself or you can hire a service, and then back those up too. I know this task can seem daunting. The tip is Start small. Decide where you want to gather all the photos and then go for it. Once you get all of your photos digitized and in one place, then you can follow Clea and Joanna's advice for editing basically anything in your life, create groupings, and then pare down. I know it might seem easier said than done, but I promise you it's possible and you will be so relieved when it's done. And then if you, say, want to surprise your family with a sweet Valentine's Day chapbook, then you can make one in a cinch because all of your photos will be organized and at your fingertips ready to print. Okay, now on to the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Force. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be a part of this. Yay, Clea and Joanna of the Home Edit are here. And can I just say, you two are the definition of what it means to be part of the Mom Force. Women helping women. Sharing, <laughs> sharing your talents to help so many of us create order out of the chaos that comes with home and family. And you're so fun to watch on your Netflix show. Well, thank you. We we do have a good time together. What can we say? I mean, we're so fortunate to be able to enjoy each other's company as much as we do and somehow not get sick of each other, which is a, a that's our true. That is a gift. <laughs> yeah. 
I do have to admit, though, when I watched the first couple of episodes, I wondered, are these guys really friends? Because things can get real between you two on camera. And (laughs) then I remembered, no, that is actually what true friendship is like. You don't always have to agree. In fact, my favorite friends are the ones that call me out on my stuff and challenge me. And so you've got this fabulous relationship. One of the hot topics on our Mom Force Facebook group is how to make friends as a mom, especially after moving to a new town. And I know you guys have some advice on this topic because you met in a really interesting way. Can you tell us quickly about how you met and how you knew that you were destined to be each other's ride or die? Well, um, it's a very funny question because (laughs) Joanna likes to make fun of me quite a bit for, thank you, sweetheart. I love it. Thank you, honey. I see that. My son is showing me a drawing. So this is what I have to deal with. <laughs> Mom life. But uh, Joanna loves to make fun of me for this. Because when I first moved to Nashville, I knew zero people. I had zero friends. And, you know, my kids were so young that, like, they weren't even going to be helpful yet in terms of mom dates and, you know, becoming friends with people. And I did what I thought was the rational, reasonable thing to do, which is blind date people on the internet, just like <laughs> just like people have to do for other relationships. So I struck up a, a new friendship with a mom who had kind of, she was like a local Nashville blogger, Leah, who is still one of my best friends. And Leah is who introduced me to Joanna. So Joanna thinks it's super pathetic and lame, but look where it got us. That's exactly right. That's how, that's how we met. We met through Leah and Clea is a very social extrovert type of a person. And I am much less social and much more introverted. And thank God for Clea, because I don't think we would have met otherwise. Oh, I know we wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, I I thought Leah told me when we met again, you know, we were DM friends on Instagram and then moved to a, a real in-person brunch date. And I told her that I wanted to start a home organizing company. And she said, well, isn't that great? I have a really good friend named Joanna. She moved from California also, and she had an organizing company and wants to restart it in Nashville. You guys should do this together. I thought it sounded like a great idea because I am a nice, kind, social person who likes people and Joanna is not. And she <laughs> was like, that's a that's a big no for me. I do not need any friends. I do I, not I, need I a was business partner. I said I could meet her as a friend, but I, I definitely did not want a business partner. That is correct. She, she says that she says that we could, that sure, I'll meet her as a friend. Barely, barely. When I tell you by the slimmest of circumstances, she was barely willing to go to lunch with me. Um, in fact, she was having a party at her house. It was a networking event. Entrepreneurs. Yes. Sure. For budding entrepreneurs and networking. And Leah invited me to come to the party to meet Joanna. And Joanna said no. Yeah, because it was so, a networking event. It didn't make sense. It didn't why? make sense. Don't you want to network with me? No. She didn't know you. <laughs> I have my own business. <laughs> And we a competition. But the truth of the matter is, and I'll take this part of the story. The truth is, is that Cleo is totally right. The second we met, like as we were walking in to have brunch or or lunch that day, I was like, oh, 1 million percent. This is my person. And this is, this will hundred percent work. I just knew it from the second we met. It was destiny. Yeah. And, and to your point earlier, Vanessa, it's like, yeah, you know, on the show, we bicker all the time or whatever, but that's just how we are as friends. Like we that's just, how we talk. Yeah. Well, it works. It's it's so fun to watch. And so if you're giving advice to to people on making friends at this stage of life, don't be afraid of matchmaking online. Leah was like your matchmaker, right? She was. 
She yes. really was. You know, as women, we can be so hard on ourselves and the pressure to have like tons of friends and have it all together and do it all and have it all look good on Instagram can be overwhelming. Now, we all know that no one really does it all, right? Right. <laughs> one of my favorite things that you talk about in your book is the low bar lifestyle, which you should trademark, by the way. Have you trademarked that? <laughs> It's a good one. Yes, actually, yes. we we have trademarked it. So good. yes. <laughs> well, can you explain to our listeners what the low bar lifestyle is? The low bar lifestyle is basically if you place the bar so low that it's barely off the ground and all you have to do is step over it. I mean, look at that. You have won. You've accomplished it. So give yourself a gold star. You have accomplished something. And we are all about the, the, even the smallest accomplishments add up to the big picture and count for something. So in our low bar lifestyle, it's like, you know what? Life is hard enough. Let's not set the bar so high that we can't accomplish things. Let's just take bite-sized pieces as we go. You know, like that's, it's the only, it's the only way we're ever going to get through the day. So you can have a perfectly organized pantry and refrigerator and freezer, but you don't actually have to cook. Exactly. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Or, or if you heat something up in the microwave, that's cooking. That's cooking. That's right. Or you just show up at the gym and maybe you do 10 minutes. That's, you still worked out. You know, all these things count. Something is better than nothing and done is better than perfect have been two mantras of my life and they go right in line with that low bar lifestyle. So I'm with you girls. None is better than perfect because what is perfect? You know, you'll never start anything ever. Another of my favorite tips from your book, if something is missing parts, you will never find them ever. (laughs) Put an end to your misery by getting rid of the incomplete item. And I just had to say that out loud for all of our listeners. You have their permission to just chuck whatever it is that you're holding on. A hundred percent. Because truly, you're just giving yourself a, a chore, You know, you're never going to find the missing pieces. You're never going to take the broken thing to get it fixed. So essentially, you're just living with something that is incomplete and taking up space. And that's just a waste. And Joanne and I are always very adamant. Do not double down on a a dumb thing or something you don't like or isn't working or you don't need or whatever it is. It's like, don't, don't let guilt stop you. Don't, don't be like, well, I, I spent money on that. Or, well, my parents bought it for my child. Or if it, it's a toy, you know, it's a puzzle, it's a game, whatever it is. If it's, if it's broken, if it's missing pieces, if it's not working, it's fine. Be, be done with it. Unless it serves a, a sentimental value, just move on again. Otherwise you're just doubling down on something that's not helping your life. And I will, and I will counter this. If someone says it is sentimental, Let's dig deeper because we like to challenge people on their sentimentality. And if you, if something is truly sentimental, you have options. You can either display it because it's so important to you that you want to look at it, or you can store it appropriately. Because again, if something's special, then you know just having it sit in a corner or in a, the back of a bin or the back of a closet that to me does not signify it being special. It signifies you might not want to deal with it. You might not want to get rid of it. You might not want to figure out a home for it, but it, you're not treating it with any kind of special premise. So, you know, if, if something is truly sentimental, then that's great. Let's figure out an appropriate way to either store it or display it because otherwise it's not, you're not serving the item and the item is not serving you. Though those are our, our tough but fair rules when it comes to getting rid of stuff and how you appropriately determine if something is sentimental. 
I love that. I want to talk more about creative ways to display some of that memorabilia. But I just have to say, my mother-in-law gave me a clock, which I loved, and it was a gift from her, but it broke. And I put it on the shelf in my garage. When I get out of my car and walk into my house, I see it every day for years. For like three years, it was just a little guilt trip every time I walked by it because— First of all, I don't know where to take a clock to get it fixed. I certainly don't know how to fix it. And when I read that in your book, it gave me permission to let it go, and I've never felt better. Right. 100%. You have to just make these decisions once and then move on. Otherwise, you'll be laboring and doubling down again on this thing that's taking up time, energy, you know, space in your life. Yeah. Well, I love how you teach everyone on all of your platforms how to edit your stuff, edit your life to bring more joy and freedom and happiness into your life. One of my favorite things that you do is paint the rainbow everywhere you go. And I have to say, years ago, we bought a house with this huge wall of bookshelves. And when we moved in, all seven of my kids helped unpack every box and just put stuff wherever they thought it should go. (laughs) And of course, all the books go in this giant wall of bookcases. But I didn't ever do anything with those books. Wherever they got put, that's where they stayed for years. And then finally, a friend suggested organizing them in rainbow order, which I had never heard of. This was before you guys were a thing. But it literally transformed not only that space in my house, but how I felt about the whole house. It just, it felt together and exciting and happy. So how did you guys decide that the Roy G. Biv rainbow order was going to become your calling card? I dressed up as Rainbow Bright for the first like seven Halloweens of my life. So, <laughs> I love it. So it was very much ingrained always. Rainbows have always made me really happy. Just historically, it's kind of like if, if, if a thing could be your spirit animal, rainbows were certainly mine. But the rainbow, as it compares to organization, is actually something that is completely intertwined with how we view the home edit as a company. Because what our goal is at the home edit is to blend form and function and have smart systems and make them beautiful. And the rainbow is actually a way of organizing. It is a functioning labeling system, not with words, but with a color orientation. And it's aesthetically pleasing and beautiful to look at. So it's very much just sums up everything that we stand for. And, you know, the the thing about a rainbow is whether it's books or clothing, you if you assign, you know, certain items, this is the red section, this is the orange section, so forth and so on. You know where to find it. You know where to put it away when you're done. And it makes you happy and looks beautiful. So, you know, we we lean into the rainbow whenever possible. We certainly did not invent it, but we use it every chance we get. And, and it really, in a very happy coincidence in my life, has kind of signified so many things for the home edit and has become kind of our calling card and our symbol. Well, you've put that rainbow order into some pretty famous people's homes out there. You have, you've organized for some big names. Is there a home or client that um, you're dying to organize for that you haven't yet? Michelle yes. Obama. <laughs> oh. Michelle Obama, Beyonce, um, Harry and Meghan, Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber, Oprah. Yeah, okay. we, have, we have a long list. You're, you're going to you get there. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I would take I would take most most royals. We've been told multiple times it's not going to happen for us, but I, I would I would love to get in there. How does it feel when you've done all this work to organize a client's home, and then you maybe pop in and check to see how things are going, and it's all fallen to pot? Does that ever happen? Do you get bugged yeah, about usually it? Usually not. Yeah, usually not. 
It's amazing. I mean, the thing is, once you set up a smart, sustainable system, people put it back. I mean, is it ready for Instagram that day? Probably not either. But the truth is, is the system's still there. The baskets are usually in place. The labels are still there. Things are in the baskets, not next to the basket. And for us, that's a win. I admitted earlier before you guys joined the call that I kind of followed what I saw you doing on your Netflix show and tried to do that to my pantry. I got my bins. I labeled them. And yes, things are in the bins, but not the things that correspond with the labels. So I'm going to be doing a big pantry overhaul when this episode goes live. And I hope that you pop in and, and check us out on Instagram and I see. Want know, I, I want to know what doing. went wrong. I, mean, I, I have questions. Yeah. I have questions. Let me press you on yeah. this. Yeah. I think your labels might be wrong. I think because because micro label things. I have a bin of lentils. Okay. So no, 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 you can't have a bin of lentils. That's wrong. You're doing it wrong. I need broader categories. Yes. You have a dinner. You have a dinner bin. That's it. Because guess what? If you have a bin that says cooking or dinner, it's not wrong when you have mixed things in that bin. It makes sense. You have to work smarter, not harder. Oh, so, that's a good, another good tagline. So if we change all the labels out, I, I'm like ready to do a deep dive on this. Okay, so if yes. we change all the labels on the baskets, then are you in fact organized in there? Well, I got a lot of stuff on the floor too, so. Okay, then that that's an over-purchasing, under-editing problem. Mm-hmm. So, but this is fixable. So again, I think that you it's hard to lead a horse to water. We have a lot of slogans that we're going with right now. It's hard to lead a horse to water. You obviously want to be organized. So that's like the first huge step. And I think you have a labeling issue. And the problem is when people do not label correctly, you get a little bit of pantry paralysis where you're like, well, this is all wrong. And then it's really hard to kind of enforce your own measures and like stick to being organized because the system's broken. But if you label in, in more broad terms, and we always say any pantry, any pantry can be labeled in six categories. So even if you only have six labels and just repeat them, it is breakfast, dinner, snacks, all, and most, most things can go into that baking, cooking, sweets. And if you literally anything, I challenge you to find anything in your pantry that does not, could not fit into those categories. Or if it's so, in there and it doesn't, then it probably doesn't belong in there. If it's batteries, it probably doesn't belong in there. Right, 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 exactly. Sure. If you, if you're using your pantry for multi-purpose items like paper towels and toilet paper, I mean, that's its own situation. But in terms of the core food in a pantry, you, you will be able to stay organized with those six categories. And it gives you freedom and flexibility to get it right and to buy things that maybe you, you know, quinoa or whatever it is. And like, it has a home. It'll go in the dinner section. Exactly. The second you unpack your groceries, everything should have a home. And if it doesn't, then we have to rework the system. Yeah. And you also want to be honest with yourself too. I mean, it sounds like you were in the sense that you have baskets, not canisters because other, what happens sometimes is people think that they want what we call a fussy pantry and they want every single thing in a jar because it looks really pretty on Pinterest or whatever, wherever they've seen it. And the truth is, is they don't have that lifestyle to support the, the fussy pantry. So when they get home from the grocery store, they don't actually want to dump the lentils into an individual canister. They don't want to dump the lima beans into its own individual canister. They just want to have a, a bin where that says dinner and be done with it. 
Yep. And that is 100% where I am too. So I would just want a bin of beans, a bin of beans. Well, pantry is definitely one of my hotspots, as I know it is for lots of families. You know, those hotspots, the places that are hardest to keep organized. Is there part of each of your homes that you struggle with the most in keeping organized? My daughter's closet. Okay. Yeah. And is that your problem or hers? She's sitting right next to me and I'm looking <laughs> at her and I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving her a tough stare right now. No, it's her problem. It's not my, no, it's your problem. Um, it's, it's her problem because I have set up the systems. I have, well, you should learn how to fold better. I have taught her how to fold. I have even implemented, uh, you know what, if this doesn't work for you for folding, then let's hang more than we fold because that's something that is, okay, I'm on a podcast, okay? Could you stop arguing <laughs> with me? Um, so, you know, I, I've set up all these systems. She doesn't have to fold perfectly. The issue that she has is not, you know, she doesn't have to put things away. We put things away for her. The issue with that she has is when she is looking for an item, her arms turn into a blender apparently and take every single thing in the drawer. My daughter too. Yeah. And spin it 12 times and then throw it in the air and just catch a shirt apparently. And that is how she decides to get dressed every day. So her drawers are a constant state of despair for me. And, you know, I, I, at a certain point, Joanne and I both have a, a rule where it's like, sometimes it's an us problem and sometimes it's a them problem. And if her clothes were on the floor, it's a her problem. But if her drawers are not folded the way I would like them to be folded at the end of the day, it becomes a me problem because, you know, I, she's 10. And if her, if her, if the inside of her drawers are always messed up, cause that's the way she looks for things every morning. I, I can't, I can't fight that at this particular moment in my life. I remember very distinctly, it was probably about 10 years ago when I decided I'm not going to get mad about what my kids' rooms look like anymore. I have given them the systems. I have taught them the principles. And whether or not they decide to follow and hang up their clothes and their freaking wet towels, I refuse to let that ruin my day. So I made it all a them problem. And (laughs) I've been a lot happier ever since. Right. I I agree. I think that I've had to do that with again, the, the drawers, I, I cannot, I haven't gotten there with their rooms. Their rooms still have to you look just perfect. Close a door and you don't have to look at I can't, it. I can't, I know, I know the difference. I can't. Me too. I can't either. Oh, I can't. Gosh. I can't. This is why I'm not a professional organizer. Okay. Everyone yeah. is different. And you know, it's hard. It's hard to live this way. Okay. It's not fun. <laughs> well, just to that point about everyone being different, like we all have different lifestyles, different hobbies, different family sizes. And so with that are going to come different solutions along with our different personalities. There's no one size fits solution to organizing, right? But there are some easy organizing rules and principles that do apply to all. Can you just give, give us really quickly, what are those right off the top of your head? I mean, we have a system that includes editing, categorizing, containing, and maintaining. And those sort of apply across the board. Those, those four distinct different things that you need to do to get organized. If you can do those four things, you can really organize any space and in theory, maintain it if you follow it. And, and to, break, to break that down, the edit is step number one. That's you know a purge. It's being honest with yourself about going through all of your things, not assuming you want to keep everything, but physically touching every item. 
and making a conscious decision and a choice whether you're going to keep it or not. So it's not, you, you can't skip that step. It's really important. And it's honestly, it's the way you get set up for success. Even if you do nothing else beyond that, you will be much, you will be 50% there. That's if you right. just do the edit and never do the other steps, that is still huge and super powerful. So edits, number one, categorize. It's incredibly important. You go through and set up like items together. That also gives you kind of a second bite at the apple for editing, because even if you think, yes, I want to keep all my XYZ item, once it's all together and grouped, you're like, huh, well, I kind of have a lot of them. So I might love black turtlenecks, but I don't know if I need nine, you know, or whatever it is. So it kind of gives you another bite at the apple. And the categories are what help you set up all the the future pieces of the organizing. Because once you know how big the category is, you know how large of a bin you need, you know what label you're going to use, you know, so the categories really inform the process. Um, And then the containment, that's where we differ from a lot of other organizers. I personally believe, Joanna and I believe that, you know, if you edit down your items and you group them into categories, if you just kind of place them back on a shelf, you're, you're putting things back in, in a neater way, um, in a way that's kind of cleaner looking, but ultimately the system will fall apart because there's no, there are no boundaries. And I think we all know with everything in life without a boundary, what good is anything? So, you know, you need to have those parameters in place and, and that, that bin, that container, whatever you choose to use that does hold you accountable. Like right now you have items on your pantry floor, to me, that's saying you are living outside of your boundaries. So you need to <laughs> set, you need to set the reasonable space. Like this is the appropriate amount of space that I have for dinner items. And if you are exceeding that space, it means you're not using the items fast enough. You know, you're buying without actually using the item. So, you know, again, it, it signifies a lot of things and it, it shows you, it, it teaches you how to appropriately buy and appropriately store things. So, you know, those, that containment is, incredibly critical to our, to our process. I think most organizers would agree about the first two um, steps, but the containment is something that we really preach from our end. And, um, and the maintenance, you know, we often tell people organizing is not a one day thing. It's not like you go to the gym, you lose weight and then that's it forever. You know, it's like you have to actually maintain the work that you put in and organizing is no different. One of the best ways to set yourself up for long-term maintenance is in labeling. Like we told you, you know, smart labeling and consistent labeling makes all the difference because it's giving yourself a set of instructions. That's a no brainer. You don't have to think you don't have to, you know, it's plug and play, which is another reason why that rainbow organization is so helpful. Cause you don't have to Absolutely. think you just, exactly. yeah, you don't have to think green, yellow. It's well, and that's the goal for everything is yeah. you don't have to think, you know, every, the work you put into organizing should be upfront and you know, the maintenance should be mindless, put up, put on a podcast, put in your AirPods, you just put it back where it goes. Like, how hard is that? You know, you don't have to think about it. Maybe you have to train yourself a little bit, but if you've got the first three steps in place, that tending right. to the maintenance shouldn't routine. be that hard. Yeah. You know, and then you just, and then you just put things away and it's satisfying to put them away because you've created a system that works. Yes. Okay. I have another rule for you guys. Okay. How about this? I thought of this when I was watching one of your episodes. Don't go it alone. I mean, in the editing phase, 
that's often easier to do by yourself. But I love watching the two of you work together and bounce ideas off each other. And I know I would much rather tackle a big project like my pantry with one of my friends or my sisters. Do you find that it's easier to work together than if you're doing a project by yourself? Yes. A hundred percent. There's no question. It really, because sometimes you have a rough day or you get stuck and somebody else is there and has a perfect solution that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. And also sometimes you, you really are able to marry the function and the form much easier than if you're just doing it by yourself. And, you know, if you're organizing with a friend, a family member, even your child, you know, it's having another person to be like, wait a minute, like, are you sure you love that? Is it, even my daughter, if I'm editing things in my closet, she'll be like, you never wear that. You were talking about how I might be over-purchasing. I will admit that I do that because I'm the oldest of 12 kids and growing up in a giant family, I just, I do things in abundance, <laughs> like a lot of stuff. And, you know, I only have two kids at home now, but my sister Leah has seven kids and they all live at home. And she actually has a question. She posted this in our Mom Force Facebook group and I thought it was so good and I want your take on it. So right. this, this is her question. She says, I have seven kids and have a hard time getting rid of anything because I never know when or if someone might need it. Clothes, craft supplies, cleats, you name it. But I'm kind of feeling overwhelmed by it all. How do I edit my home when all of the things have a purpose and aren't crap? Well, tell Leah if she doesn't hear this. First of all, yes. I mean, congratulations on seven kids and still surviving. That's amazing. Something I don't know how, how one can do. That's incredible. We are just getting by each with two kids, but so that's the first thing. The second thing is, is she's not wrong that each thing has a purpose, but in order to feel the sense of calm that it sounds like she's aspiring for definitely needs. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She needs to respect the space that she has. So at some point, the stuff is exceeding the amount of space that she has to live comfortably. And so you always have to decide, is the item more worth it or is the space more worth it? And you have to make those decisions as you go. I mean, maybe you want to be able to open the drawer comfortably. So having extra pipe cleaners is not worth the space so that every time you open the drawer, your fingers are going to get crammed. You know, maybe you lose some of the pipe cleaners so that you can close the art drawer or whatever that is. It really, it honestly applies to everything, clothes, everything. You can only save so much stuff before you have to start. You feel like everything's closing in on you. Well, and the bar should not be, is this crap? I mean, hopefully we're not living with actual crap. So, you know, the the goal should really be, do I need it? Do I love it? Do I use it? And if it's currently in use, like soccer cleats, then of course, keep them. I mean, what are you going to get rid of? The, you know, it's like if they're in use. I know, but I, I had a bin of cleats because seven kids, they all played some type of cleated sport. And I kept every pair of cleats after they outgrew them. Cause I never knew the next kid's going to need this. The next kid's going to need this. So it, it's been so liberating well, to give you have the stuff over it? the years. But well, when I lived in Florida, I didn't, cause we didn't have a basement in Florida, but I had this really hot attic that I dutifully stored everything. But now that we're in Utah, we have so much space in our basement that I literally could hoard all kinds of stuff in here that people don't see, but I know it's there. And it gives me this sense of unease. I don't know. I kind of give you guys a pass because it is, if you have that many kids, you do use those things over and over. And I can understand how you could see, okay, well, I don't know which kid is going to need what size when. So all I would say in that situation, Leah, you may disagree with me. I understand. I'm going to be compassionate, very compassionate on this one, but I (laughs) thank you. (laughs) I think what you want to do is just categorize it really well, label it and organize it just so you know what you have. And make sure, again, that things are not broken or missing if you're going to save them. You need to know exactly what you have. And 
and be honest with yourself about whether this is actually going to be something that's going to be in use or are you just saying it because you're used to just holding on to everything? You know, it's like, and so that is going to have to be a personal thing that we can't be the, the judge on that, but be really honest with yourself about what you're keeping. And if you are keeping a thing of soccer cleats, have it be in a clear airtight storage labeled soccer cleats, ages X through X or size X through X. And that way, you know, when it's time, you can go to pull from it. And the second something is outgrown and won't be in use, you don't need to hold on to it. Donate it. Think about all the, the kids out there that can't afford soccer cleats. We do that, you know, in our personal lives with our clients all the time. I think a lot of people hold on to things because they think that they might end up using it, but a lot of people hold on to it because they paid money for it and they feel guilty getting rid of it, but it's not, you're not throwing it in the trash. You know, you're putting it to a better use and freeing up space in your home. So, I mean, whenever possible, I mean, my kids every day, they're like, did you get rid of, you know, name it, you know, all all the time. Did you get rid of this? I'm like, no, I swear I didn't. But, you know, they're used to it because it's like, if it's not in use, let some other child who, who needs it, let, let them have it. It it just, there's no point in holding on to something that doesn't fit or is just not used anymore. Well, and I loved what you were saying earlier about the things that have sentimental value. And I'm thinking about the rest of the stuff that's in my storage room right now. And a lot of it are just bins of t-shirts from the plays that they've been in or their t-ball team or like, you know, arts and crafts for the years. And I have a really hard time parting with that. I've seen, Clay, I saw that you did a shelf in your home and you had like your grandfather's old camera and a table mm-hmm. from your wedding. I mean, I just love that that stuff is out of the basement and out on display, that personal touch. And so I'm wondering when you are organizing a space, do you always try to tie in family memories like that? And Joanna, do you have a space like that in your home or anything personal like that, that you have displayed? I have, let's see, not in the same way Clea does. I would say I I have more traditional like photo albums displayed, you know, underneath my coffee table on this shelf, but I don't have like Clea has her grandmother's glasses and the camera. I don't have items in the same way that she does. I hold true to my rule of if something's special, you either need to store it appropriately or display it. So if Joanna's photos are special, yeah. don't just throw them, you know, at the at the back of a drawer, like put them in photo albums or put them in photo boxes or, you know, store them appropriately. For me, the items, I don't have that many personal effects in my home. I am pretty minimal when it comes to that. And my living room shelves hold my sentimental items. So I have my grandmother's glasses. I have my grandfather's photographs. I have our wedding table number assignment yeah, um, that's yeah. framed. You know, it's like all of my special things kind of live on those shelves. That's so smart. Rather than just buying meaningless stuff from Target or Home Goods, like dig down into the storage room and find those treasures and put them out on display. I, I want to do better with that. Absolutely. Joanna, I love that you have your photo books out on display because I think my photo books, my scrapbooks, those are my favorite things in my in my home as well. And at Chapbooks, we've tried to make designs of photo books that are so beautiful that they become part of your decor. We actually have a rainbow line of photo books as well. So Ooh, I'll have to check that, that out. I'll have to check it out. But um, yeah, displaying the things that are meaningful rather than 
chucking it. You don't have to throw all of it away, but you also don't need to relegate it to the depths of the basement. Another thing that I discovered, this is actually after I read the Marie Kondo's book and I went blazing through my house, getting rid of everything that didn't spark joy. That's where I had the big blocker was on all this sentimental stuff. And I found that photographing some of it was enough. I could just let this right. big bulky thing go because now I have a photograph of it in my treasured photo books. And right. so a little tip for you all. Okay. So you guys do such a great job of helping people organize parts of our lives that are on display, but helping people edit and organize the parts of the life that aren't visible at all is so important. And I know I've been ashamed of how out of control and unorganized my camera roll has been because who sees your camera roll? You're the only one that knows that you've got 25,000 photos full of duplicates and all of that stuff. I know you talk a little bit about photos in your book, but can you just share quickly the home edits, quick tips for cleaning up your camera roll and how you personally organize your photos? Um, I'll take this because I 100% know Joanna has absolutely no method. So um, <laughs> you, you would be surprised. You didn't know me then. I just got very busy the last six years thanks to this business. But I do have a system. <clears throat> okay. Let's tell, me how you organize, yes, okay. Joanna, tell me how you organize your phone. I'd love so to hear it. We're not talking about phone. We're talking yes, about we are. photos. We're talking about photos on the phone. Well, I do. I put them in. An, I do put them in albums by years when I have time. And then I They're make a all, Joanna, that's automatic. They automatically are by year. I know, but I pull out the good ones and then I make a book. I just okay, have that's big. That's huge. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. My phone, t- she's correct about my phone. It's a disaster. <laughs> no, I, I'm like not even, I, you don't even know if, jo- if the world saw Joanna's phone, I think our Netflix show would get canceled. It is the most <laughs> disorganized. It gives me hives in ways that I cannot even begin to describe. So if Joanna is actually going to try and give tips on any kind of phone organization, (laughs) I resign. No tips, none. I have (laughs) nothing on technology, none. All right. Well, Clay, let's hear it. Let's hear it from you. You seem like you've got this one nailed. I mean, honestly, I think I find with my camera roll and I probably am taking more content than most people just because of the world that we live in. But honestly, it it takes effort. It takes time. It takes sitting down and deleting all of the the items that, you know, you took the trying to get one good photo of your kids and you have like 17 bad ones. I mean, it takes diligence. So no one's going to like to hear that, but that's that there's no shortcut to deleting and editing. I mean, it's the edit process. So, you know, we, we over consume and, and over shoot all of our content. Now that's just the world we have now that we have a phone and camera at our fingertips, as opposed to the olden days, you know, where we had to go get a a camera roll develop, you know, the I remember those days very well. Yes. Oh, so do I. (laughs) So do I. Remember, remember doubles. Yeah. Yeah, Doubles and triples. You can get triples at Costco guys. Yeah. Yeah, Triples, triples. So that, that, that was the olden days. And and now if you want to keep up with your phone, I mean, it's like weekly, you know, you really have to be, be pretty strict and, and go through it. And, and, or you can decide that 20,000 photos is enough. And, you know, maybe it's beyond you, you know, like there are people, sometimes people on this phone call, um, that maybe have like an email inbox, just is it's always going to have a hundred thousand emails in it because it's beyond them. And maybe, uh, and sometimes someone's camera roll can be like that. And again, Apple does such a good job um, with their iOS of tagging photos and separating them out by year and having facial recognition. 
and geotags. And there's all sorts of organizing that just comes inherent on the phone. So if, if you just cannot commit the time to going through and, and editing and doing some, uh, you know, sometimes you need to add some facial tags or, you know, you can kind of add some extra layers there. If it's too much for you, it's okay. You know, again, it's, don't beat yourself up. The The reason why phones come with so much organizing built into it is because they know what they're, what we're up against. So I, I would not let that be the hill you die on because it does take weekly effort. Yeah. Well, I have something that I call my Sunday select, which, you know, doesn't happen every single Sunday, but I try to on Sunday evenings, go back over the week or the last two weeks and clear out all the junk, delete the duplicates and the screenshots and everything. Cause I found that that habit of editing helps me really enjoy the magic moments that I've captured. If not, they get lost in all of the noise. Right. So speaking of magic moments, I know you have them both on your camera rolls. What is one of your favorite everyday magical moments that you've captured in a photo? Oh, like all time favorite. Know, just thing. what pops in your mind? The last time you snapped a photo of just an everyday moment that you were like, oh, I oh, have one. magic. This one, this one was actually just two days ago. My daughter and I were watching. Have you seen Sing 2? I haven't yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's is it like good? one run to watch it. Yeah. It's so cute. It like, is so cute. And I just took a little picture of us together on the couch and it was just like, we were just eating candy on the couch together, watching a movie. It was just so, so cute. So I will, I I think I would give that, that, I mean, that was just two days ago. So that's fresh in my mind. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I love that. I would say, I mean, it's, I, I kind of, can't compete in this category because my husband is a professional photographer. Every time he like turns around, he's like taking like a masterful photo. So it was just a snow day here in Nashville. And the quick snaps that came out of that were just precious. But I think one of the, the things that we're having the most fun with is we have a new puppy who's five months old and is just the silliest little guy you've ever witnessed. Like we found him yesterday he had like, we were looking for him and he had like gotten under the covers in our bed. He was like in the middle of the bed under the covers. Aww. And when we pulled it back, his face was just like so funny to me that he was caught. He's just so <laughs> funny. So, I mean, you know, uh, every photo that revolves around him right now is making me giggle. I know you guys travel a lot. You're so busy with this booming career. Everyone wants a piece of the home edit, but that's got to be really hard. As moms, you both have two kids, you've got dogs. What rituals or traditions have you incorporated in your life to help ease that, you know, the tension and the craziness in this season? Oh God. I, I mean, if someone wants to tell me how to ease that, I will happily tell you I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. I, I, I don't have yeah, the we, that. We, don't, we have not eased it, I think no. is the You're the just answer. surviving it. Um, yeah, that's right. We're just... It's day by day. And when we get overwhelmed, it's just important to remember that, you know, there's only one way to eat a whale, which is one bite at a time. It's the same low bar lifestyle Gross. situation. Okay. And, um, well, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's the phrase. True. So I didn't invent it, but it's the only way is just bite by bite and day by day and minute by minute. And do. that's all we can do. And you both seem to have very supportive partners, which I know helps. How do you support each other as business partners and best friends in this season of life? Well, we don't spend time fighting because it's a waste of time. It's a waste of emotions. Mm -hmm. Joanne and I agreed very early on that we know who we are as people and 
we're never going to do anything to intentionally distract anything or be, you know, malicious in any way. It's, it's, it's just not who we are. So if something pops up, if we're unhappy or annoyed, mad, which honestly has hardly ever happened, but if it does, we have to not waste time being angry and just get to the place of like a solution oriented mindset and just be like, we're moving past this because I know you, you didn't mean anything by it. I might be mad or annoyed, but you didn't mean to give me that emotion. So, you know, we, we just move quickly. And honestly, in the same way that I do with my husband, I'm sure Joanna feels the same way about her husband. It's like, we're not going to be like permanently angry, you know, like what, what, what good would that do? So let's just, let's just figure it out and move past it. And I think we have like, again, coming from the, we both know the other person would never intentionally do something. So it's a waste of energy at all times to be like, what you did was so mean it, or, you know, you can say it hurt my feelings or whatever it is, but it's, th- there was a miscommunication somewhere along the line because it, there was nothing with malintention. We would never, either one of us would do anything with malintention. And so you can already just wipe that as a possibility and easily move forward. And we also are supportive. I mean, we both are doing our best, the best that we can with, we both have two kids and husbands that are tremendously helpful. And I think we all, uh, the two of us just do the best we can because one day someone has something and the next day somebody else has something. And, you know, we just both get it and we're doing, we're just doing the best we can. Right. I love that. You guys have edited out any drama. You give each other the benefit of the doubt. You have each other's backs and you're taking over the world. So it it seems to be working. I don't know about that, but we do, we definitely have each other's backs. It's just the rest of it isn't worth it. Like what's it, what's it worth? And also we just have the best time together. So that's worth everything. Yeah. Well, and that is evident anytime that we get to see you on TV or on Instagram, you guys are the real deal. And it's no wonder that the world has fallen in love with you. So tell me what's next for the home edit. Oh gosh, a lot, honestly. <laughs> well, the Walmart um, spill our, any of it? Yes. Yeah. Well, our launch at Walmart is very new, so it feels it feels like that's that's up and next. We're so so excited to be able to bring organizing to the masses. Walmart is you know obviously everywhere across the country, and we're honored to be partnered with them in this big project. What else? Oh gosh, lots of things that we sadly can't talk about yet. Season two is coming soon. Yeah, we're finally true. in. We're in 2022, so we are finally able to, we can't give you an exact date, but we can at least say that season two is is imminent, um, which is exciting. And we'll be cheering, we'll be cheering on for the possibility of Oprah, Beyonce, Michelle. (laughs) Please do. You know, I, I I have a good feeling about that. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone watch the TV series, the home edit, read their books, follow them on Instagram and Clea and Joanna. When I start organizing my pantry, I'm going to tag you and I might need Send to this chime picture. in. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's a labeling problem and an under-editing problem. All right. I'm, I'm going to take you at your word and I have, I I have high it. hopes. I yes, want to see you. it. All right. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special chapbooks discount code. Until next time. <laughs>